Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. It was like, we're going to run it for at least six yards every single time. Why are we going to stop? Michigan has got its system now. It's got its identity. It's going to beat the hell out of you. SI's Russ Dellinger. Hey, you know, you co- come back after the game. If we win, we'll be drinking. You should come back while the jacuzzi on. And then if we lose, you should come back too, because we'll be drinking too then. And SI's Pat Forty. USC people were furious afterwards with the refs. Furious. They, you, know, you know, you can just see the cynicism wheels turning. Yeah, the Pac-12's out to screw us because we're leaving. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Unbelievable week. Week seven, one of the most exciting weeks of college football I can remember. Yeah. I covered the Michigan-Penn State game, which was a mauling, and we'll get to. By the time I got home, it was towards the, I got to see all of the fourth quarter, at least, of the 330 games. There was so much going on at one point, I could not, I I was like overwhelmed. (laughs) It's like TCU storing back on Oklahoma State, that's going to overtime, and then you got this incredible Tennessee Alabama game, and you get all this other stuff, and then it bleeds into the night, and you're like trying to watch 17 games at once, like just... Absolutely incredible. One of these days when you just, this just the greatest sport. There was yep. f- field was... stormings all over the place. Colorado stormed the field. <laughs> they won. TCU <laughs> stormed. Utah stormed. Tennessee stormed. It's all over the place. So let's yep. start in Knoxville. Ross, you were there. Let's I take was. a moment of, moment of silence for the goalposts. Yes. <laughs> One of which wound up in the river. <laughs> yeah. They took the goalpost, walked it out of the stadium, and threw it in the river. <laughs> now, <laughs> which I applaud, although some barge is going to slam into it somewhere yeah. and kind of mess yeah, up. Some... Did, did it sink? I mean, that's the here's the problem. Like, that's a collector's item, and you just threw it I in know. the river to sink? Oh, you gotta, you, chop I up. guarantee some of the sail gators went in there and I bet yeah. they dredged that thing out of there and got it on one of the boats down there, man, because you're right. I hope is, so. That is a uh, a souvenir item. A field um, goal? Like a goal post? What boat you got? Hey, the That's boats are huge. Hey, I went, on one of them. I went on one of them. It was probably 70 feet long, I guess. Wow. Probably the boat. Wow. It's huge. They're, they're houseboats. They're these huge, massive houseboats. It had triple. It was a double a two-story that a band upstairs they had a jacuzzi upstairs on this houseboat. It was it was amazing. Man, I didn't want to leave the boat for the game. I thought maybe the best story might be just on this boat. Little did I know. Thank God it didn't stay on the boat. Um, yeah, that would have been a problem. So no, it was an unbelievable game, followed by what has to be for me the a goalpost is like forty-five feet tall. Yeah, yeah eighteen well, and uh, a half shoot. feet wide. Yes. Hey, a 70-foot boat, plenty of room, Dan. Yeah. It's going to be like that Fansville episode where they're like, where's the goalpost, right? (laughs) I don't know if any of these... How do you hide it? How do you hide it? I don't know if any of these sailgaters, if their boats were even, uh, you know, were even still in existence after the game because they all told me before the game, well, I had this one, when I I went on this one, and he said, hey, you know, 
You c- come back after the game. If we win, we'll be drinking. You should come back while the jacuzzi on. <laughs> and then if we lose, you should come back too because we'll be drinking too then. I'm like, <laughs> well, all right. all right. So I walked by there. It was pretty electric. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get on the boat uh, at a midnight after the win. I decided that was better off going to sleep. So, but just Ooh. incredible. I, I think, I think that um, in you know seventeen years of being a sports writer, I, I don't think I've ever seen as much a post-game scene quite like that as many people all dressed the same color all chanting the same thing the goalposts, cigars everywhere locker room cigars it it was wild i mean the energy in the stadium it was just chilling i'll remember for the rest of my life it was it was incredible the game was incredible too of course uh back and forth you know offensive kind of slugfest between the quarterbacks it was outstanding two two guys that could win the Heisman, right? I mean, they're they showed it. Why it, it was incredible, and then it was followed by just an absurd scene, <laughs> where yeah, it it was uh, it was fun, and I, I got a souvenir. I showed Dan earlier, but Uh-oh. I I brought back a souvenir. For oh, you got a Stogie. I've got a Stogie with the Tennessee wrapper on it that uh, some of them were smoking there. Uh, so they, I, I was told they had over three hundred cigars in the locker room ready to go a hundred of them had been there for years because they <laughs> they 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 didn't ever win so so they, and then they got gifted some over the over the last might few have been a little dry weeks, yeah 15 you know. years yeah yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully they had a good humidor uh there i don't know if one exists to keep them that humid but awesome game all awesome atmosphere just just super fun and what made makes college football the greatest yeah i mean that's the thing just the like the emotion that goes into these games and then the release one way or another, win or lose is so strong. Uh, and to see it in so many places, I mean, it, obviously I think the, there was nothing quite like what happened in Neyland and around Neyland. And by the way, when you, here's what you do when you tear down a goalpost, you take it like to Calhoun's or something and you get a hacksaw and you cut it in one foot long pieces. So <laughs> yeah. a lot of people yep. can have a there souvenir. Yeah. It's supposed to one unwieldy 30 foot long pipe. So yeah. anyway, you can forgive Tennessee fans for not knowing what to do. They're like, what do we do now? Wait, this is my thing. How do the cops not stop? I mean, there's like a hundred guys stealing a goalpost and the Knoxville police couldn't stop them. <laughs> well, they, oh, they, they had, had no interest in stopping them. No. Yeah. Well, the, the game day security came on and they, I was watching and I zeroed in on the video. Like they were surrounding it. There was probably, I don't know, like maybe 12 to 15 probably security guards surrounding one in the student section into the goalpost. And every now and then there would be a rush. It was like watching a, a battle, like a war battle movie. And all the, the students would rush the cops. They would get, they would hang on the goalpost. They would kind of teeter. The The security would, would ward them off enough, pull them down, and then it would start all over again. Then there'd be another wave. And finally there was like probably a 10th wave and the security was like, nope, we're done. And they just all walked away. And within probably 90 seconds, they fell. Uh, it, it was it was why. And then the other, at the other end, the security forgot about the other goalposts. The students didn't because they went and got them too. So. so it's like the Chinese army in the Korean War. They just send wave after wave after wave until you know, they overrun your position. Yes. Uh, yes. And the videos by like Jim Dunaway of uh, the next round live uh, in Birmingham. They do a great job down there, but he had great video of the students coming over the wall onto the, the yeah. field and some yeah. of them just like falling on their faces. Yep. Uh, I mean, it was, it was wild, but there, I, there will be some, some, some battle scars that people will have the rest of their lives that they'll remember from probably getting clonked on the head by a goalpost or somebody falling on top of them. But I think those will be uh, well-earned and, and happy people in uh, in Knoxville because that was something. Now, I, yeah, I was at a field storming, too. It was more sedate in Salt Lake where it was hilarious. And actually, you know, they're just a little bit nicer and probably more law-abiding in general there. And, like, they, the, the main student section, the MUS, as they call it, they were starting to come out there and they had to kind of wrap around and go down this little ramp and the, the cops are just there and they all just like, oh, okay. All right, we'll stop. But then the other end of the stadium broke loose, and they started coming from the other end, and then finally everybody came in. So. Better they just did let not them take out down on the, the fields, right? I mean, it's right. safer. You're not yeah. going to get people trampled. Right. The, the scene at Tennessee, because it was 15 years of buildup, and the invincibility of Alabama, 
is just, you know, that's the perfect, the perfect mix. It reminded me last year, I obviously was not at the Knoxville one. I was at the Michigan finally beats Ohio state. And it was similar, mm-hmm. like the energy and unbelievableness of it. You had just, it's not just the students that swarm the field. You got like 60 year olds hopping that thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm going down. I may never see it again. Right. right. Now, the big thing with this was they won on the last play. Michigan, like yeah. it was coming. They, they just right. beat Ohio State. This was like, oh my God, we're going to lose. And then Alabama screws up the end of the game and Tennessee makes this dramatic play and wins it. But let's talk about this game, and let's talk about Tennessee before we get to Alabama. Yeah. Could not be more impressed with Hendon Hooker. Could not be more impressed with Josh Heupel. Could not be more impressed with the whole Tennessee team. And this is why. And this is why I thought Alabama would win in a different – not only win, but cover. And at different times, they were going to win in cover. But every time Alabama did their Alabama thing and stomped on – about to stomp on the heart, the scoop and score uh, being the biggest one. Hooker Hooker blows that handoff, and it's a scoop and score. Alabama is going to win this game, and this is when the other team crumbles. Yep, yep. They pressure. It's like that old Mike Tyson line. Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the mouth, and that's when Alabama wins the game. And Tennessee said not today. Josh Heupel coached. Like he was uh, not a fourth year head coach, but like he was Nick Saban's equal because he was. He was his superior on Saturday. No mm-hmm. fear. This is a guy who won a national championship as a quarterback, and that he doesn't carry himself with that kind of like bravado. No, but it's in there. Yeah. And he just said, Hell no, we're going to call these plays. And Hooker said, Hell no, I'm not. Not, no, I'm not falling apart. That was the part about this game that was so exciting, I think, for Tennessee fans because it was like we're standing up, and even when we start Tennesseeing or whatever you want to call it, or, or just succumbing to what Alabama is, we said we're going to stand up and out, outdo you. And that, that to me blew me away about this game beyond all the individual performance and everything. They call, they score 78 yard touchdown after that scoop and score. That nine times out of 10 in the last 15 years, that's a pick. They throw a pick and Alabama scores again and they end up winning by 24. And you're going, yeah, yeah, but it was really close. Yeah, sure it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Arkansas game. It would have been like, you know, like Arkansas came yeah, all yeah. the way back and then yep. a couple things happened and that was it. And they fell, a, they kind of fell apart. Yeah, after the scoop and score, I think everybody in the press box thought, well, that's it. And you can kind of see everybody just started writing. Everybody started writing their story. That was it. <laughs> and you look up and boom, they tie the game with the with the 70 plus yarder. Hypo is, you know, spent a week almost a week in, in Knoxville and spent time with him. And he I think Dan, you described it right. Like he he is super humble, quiet, mild mannered, just kind of boring. Like just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You know, goes about the business. Man, every time I looked on the sidelines, that dude was jumping up and down or running toward the end zone. He almost made it to the pylon one time, like celebrating. He was in it, man. He was in it. Uh, and obviously, he called the game that way as well. Brilliant. And I, I think of the last throw of the game, Kendon Hooker, I think there was nine seconds left. Is that right around midfield or so, or, or maybe on the 45? Mm-hmm. They needed to get about 20 more yards. He stood in the pocket o- almost like a statue, just stood there. It was kind of started to collapse, started to collapse, and just stood right in there, fired a freaking missile, and his receiver took one step up. I think it was Brew McCoy, USC transfer, took one step up to grab it perfectly. And and, and it was just that, the, to me, it was like this, that's just a Heisman moment, you know, and he had a lot of them there. And that was that was another one, and the, the freaking Jalen Hyatt, you know, five oh, touchdowns, two hundred yards, unbelievable! It was unbelievable. I mean, I mean, Alabama, uh, number two for Alabama. I'm missing on his name, but he could not. I felt bad for him by the end of the game. He just could not stay with with Jalen Hyatt. Alabama, no one who could, or they would have yeah, put him yeah. on him. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. He, here's my theory. Let me test this out on you guys. You tell me what you think. Second year transfer quarterback comes in. First year, very good. Second year, takes it up to another level. You get an offensive whiz calling plays for him. You get this stable of receivers that's unbelievable, and you go say, we're going to go take down Alabama 
Sounds like LSU 2019 yeah, to me. I was about to say, I know what you're getting at. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. not sure any of them are as good. I don't know whether mm. Hendon Hooker is going to be Joe Burrow. I don't know whether they have a Jamar Chase, but my gosh, between yeah. Hyatt, Drew McCoy, like Cedric Tillman, who's hurt. It's a good you know, comparison. They, they yeah. may not have a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't think they're Joe deep. Brady and Josh Heupel could yeah. dial it up. They don't I mean, have the talent that LSU they, has. Yeah, they don't have the no. defensive talent for sure, but, but I think it's right. a good comparison offensively. I do. I mean, this is this this was great. And here's the thing about Heupel, and credit to him, credit to Danny uh, White, who we talked about uh, previously hiring him, yeah. comes from Central Florida as the AD, an SEC team, and isn't afraid to hire his old coach at Central Florida, who had not lit the world on fire. Yeah, No, he hadn't. He knew Josh Heupel was a hell of a coach. And he and that takes a lot of confidence because you're showing up. And look at we, we don't have to go through the track record. Tennessee fans are a little vocal and active <laughs> about their coaching searches. They're not just like, OK, let's give this guy a try. <laughs> it gets toxic quick up there on Rocky Top. But he made that move. Year two is often when the great ones show how great they can be. Right. A program gets really good in year two, and they haven't been good. You know, Urban Meyer won a national title. Nick Saban, both at LSU and at Alabama, had his team in the Sugar Bowl as a second year and win the title. Brian Kelly started showing real signs at Notre Dame. The next year, they're in the BCS title game. Like, I don't know. Lincoln Riley, he kind of took over a machine, right? But if you look at some of the better coaches that we've had, that second year, you start seeing things. Well, we've seen it at Tennessee. We've always said it is an unbelievable place to play football. It's amazing they sucked for so long. Yeah. They're three hours from Atlanta. They got ton- It's a great little city. The state is producing more players, particularly in Nashville area, as it grows. That see like who 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 watched the game? I don't care if you're like a 90 year old grandmother or a five year old kid and watched and said, "I wish I was in Tennessee." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the greatest yeah. marketing I've ever seen. Look more yeah. fun than anything could be. His offense is great, and we get some defense. Maybe we can do it. Just an absolutely perfect night for Tennessee, and we'll see where it goes from here. But I got to feel really good about how Josh Heupel co- coached that game. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like, and, and it is year two, as you said, can be a real indicator. And now it's can be even more of an accelerator, I think, with the portal and other things that you can do. But but that's I thought Josh Heupel, what he's done this year is like, OK, that guy's a freaking star offensive star coach, you know, and I, I look, I was very tepid on the hire. I was like, eh, you know, they just got whoever they could get at a time when it was difficult to get somebody. But the other thing, too, to Danny White's credit is not only did he do that, bring in just somebody who looked like a guy, but Danny White was brand new, too. Danny White didn't have any yeah. ca- any cachet. He didn't have any capital. So none. You know, they they kind of stuck their necks out there together. Yeah, no, he, he, he did it up. Now, look, sometimes it doesn't work. Right. Last year was this is why I thought Mel Tucker was going to be so good. Second year, Michigan State's 11 and two. And I was like, holy cow, you do that in your second year. Uh, they've regressed, let's just say. We'll see how that plays out. But <laughs> yeah. So we're not there yet, but this to me was uh, was unbelievable. Uh, Ross, any more thoughts on what on the scene, what you thought of, of watching yeah, before we get to I'll, Alabama? I'll say something about talking about the coaches' staff. Like, obviously, Hypo, it's Hypo's offense, and, and he's the head coach, and he's he runs the program. His offensive coordinator, Alex Golish, who kind of was off the, the Matt Campbell tree, spent a lot of time with Matt Campbell at – Iowa State, and before that, uh, where was Matt Campbell before Iowa State? Before he was head coach? Toledo. Toledo, Toledo, Toledo. that's right. Yeah, he, he was spent time with Campbell there at Toledo. And I visited with him for thir- maybe thir- Wednesday or Thursday before the game uh, with Alex Golish and um, spent some time, and he was walking me through how he kind of calls plays, how he and Hype will go back and forth with the play calling. It's really interesting. It was fascinating. The guy watches, he said, upwards of eight mock games each week heading into the game to so he watches games of the opponent's defense and, and kind of calls play mimics calls plays and it, it was it was really fascinating and Very the, he's obviously yeah he's, he's done a great job so he was watching Alabama's games against Arkansas when Alabama was on defense and he was acting like a play caller 
Uh, he'd say he does seven to eight a week. Each one takes an hour, hour and a half. So it was fascinating to see. And and they work together. I mean, he said, you know, Hypel Hypel sometimes will suggest this and that, and it's 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 Hypel's offense. But he's learned it. They work together. They they they've gelled pretty good. And Alex is certainly someone who uh, isn't scared. And and as we saw, I think we saw that from the game. I mean, they just they launched it up there, and uh, it, it it was a it was a blast, and it was it was fun to watch. It really was. And I think. You know, and somebody said a couple people have said this, said this yesterday, but when when the king falls every now and then, it's it's good for the kingdom. Like it's it's fun, and uh, and I think I think we all can kind of agree on that. It's great, fun except for us. unless you're wearing for crimson. The kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I like fun it. for I like us, that. but yeah, we got something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many times have we all covered Alabama games? We were like. I wonder if something interesting will happen. Yeah, Maybe they'll nope. get upset. And like, no. Nah, well, it's funny to hear, there. too. After yeah. the game, it was funny to hear the Alabama beat writers because, you know, they they cover win after win after win after win. But when Alabama loses and when it happens on the road, they're used to what happened. It's a field storming every time. And I was talking yeah, to Michael right. Casagrande of AO.com. The last time an Alabama team won on the road in the visiting team. I'm sorry, an Alabama team lost on the road in in the home team didn't storm the field was 2010 against LSU. It was something like a dozen losses, wow. a dozen in a row or something like that of field stormings. 2010, <laughs> 2010 was the last time. It was fun to hear the Alabama beat writer say, yep, well, here we go again. <laughs> Another field storm. They didn't even get – listen listen to this. The Alabama beat, most of them, didn't get to the Saban News Conference. They couldn't get there. It was crazy. Wow. Is that right? <laughs> yep. I – I don't know, man. That that was either like, yeah, it, it, combat paid is trying to get anywhere. What a mess. I saw the band was kind of locked in their the, spot. The Alabama band yeah. was stuck. It was stuck yeah, right there. They couldn't get out. Of their it, seat. They couldn't get out. They couldn't get out. It was it was wild. And then, you know, the Alabama team had trouble getting out of the locker room. They had oh, trouble getting out of the locker room onto the bus. There was security kind of holding back the Tennessee fans. And yeah, then you got to do a better a- job of that. In and AO.com did a great a great job on some scenes after the game. John Tolte tweeted out a picture of, this is amazing, of Derek Dooley. He's eating a, I guess, a platter of spaghetti out of a styrofoam, like, to-go carton. And he's got his back to the camera. And above him, you see Tennessee fans walking and, like, chanting. It's just, it's an amazing photo. Yeah, you got to go he's check it out. Dooley now on the Alabama staff. Yeah, yeah, former, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, G, yeah, an analyst for Alabama, former Tennessee head coach. I saw that. Just, just, just crazy. So it, it, eventually Saban got out of there, and I think the timestamp on it was it was like 8.45 that he left, which mm. was pretty long after the game. That that was not oh, normal. He, so they heated. Yeah, yeah he, about he probably that. wasn't yeah. happy. Yeah. It's, it's already I, behind in preparation. Already behind. Yeah. Yeah. On, to the, on to the Bulldogs. Yeah. <laughs> a couple things on that. Uh, first off, spaghetti as your post game meal. <laughs> Carbo load, Dan. Carbo load. Come on, man. Kind of messy. How bad uh, is that spaghetti? It's probably pretty bad. <laughs> well, spaghetti kind of keeps well. I, I was you know? about to no, say no, spaghetti no. gets bad. Tomato sauce bad gets at spaghetti better. in the in the south anyway. And then you went with that. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Tough one for Derek Dooley, but this is the stuff that happened. I don't know. Look, it was incredible. Um, I've said on this podcast before, Clemson stole Tennessee's program. Tennessee might be trying to to wrangle something back. They're not going to take it from Clemson, who looks awesome. But this is what you want out of Tennessee, and they certainly delivered. All right, let's get to Alabama. Yes. Okay. Alabama. This Alabama did the things they normally do to win, but they didn't. But they also did things to lose. Uh, 52 they? points most since like was a 1906 I think the stat was well most uh, against a Nick Saban coach <laughs> team since 1996 the Michigan what State that, Spartans Michigan State yeah Nebraska top ranked Nebraska put up 55 on on Saban's party <laughs> wow okay yeah amazing yeah yeah so you have all of that uh you have what I thought was big was the the end of the game situation yeah. Among others. Uh, first off, let me say this about Bryce Young. Mm. That guy is unbelievable. Incredible. He's a baller, just yeah. a straight baller. Yeah, absolutely. They, they lose by four touchdowns without Bryce Young. 
Yeah. 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 Holy cow. And if they win, the all everybody's writing about him. He's the story. Because mm-hmm. he oh, was yeah. electric. He was incredible. It was incredible to watch. One of the best performances I've ever seen. They lost the game, but it wasn't his fault. Let's just go to this last bit. I, I It just was stunning to me because may, we're just spoiled by Saban doing everything right. They They have a first down at the 32-yard line with 38 seconds left. Tennessee has two timeouts, and he calls three consecutive pass plays, or Bill O'Brien does. Uh, now, one was into the flat that got dropped. It should have been caught. But on, on third and 10, uh, they put five wide, and none of them run like a quick slant or anything into the, into like the, the flats just to get something. They, they miss on all three. As, as Tennessee just bull rushes them, they tick just 17 seconds off and they still have to kick a 50 yarder. How, and Saban said, we're trying to move the ball closer because it wasn't close enough. And I get that, but you also have to play the other side of this. And Nick Saban, in normal game, still the greatest, but he's, I don't care. He's got to be killing himself. You got to run the ball and at least make Tennessee waste the timeouts. Uh, instead, they give the ball back and allow what was an incredible drive and a knuckleball kick. But still, they should have finished this game out. They should have won. They certainly shouldn't have lost in regulation. And I have not seen anything like that last minute debacle fight by Alabama and all. Uh, and I can't remember. Yeah, uh, the the two things there. One, I think to me i think this was an indication they were had very little confidence in will Reichard after last week when he made one out of four field goals yep. so they're like we we don't need five yards we need 15 we need 20 to get him closer uh which may have been an overreaction because he, he certainly didn't miss the 49 yard by that much yeah yeah, the length. yeah 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 he so just pushed I, it barely yeah but yeah it was like they almost just didn't think of what could come after yeah. the field goal you know it's like they 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 didn't think that far ahead it Reminded me just a little bit when Alabama seemed to have no idea in the kick six game that that if you yeah. try a fifty five yarder and comes up short, oh, shit, they may run it back on us. You know, like there's just that little that little glitch, and like as you said, I mean, Saban so rarely glitches that that it kind of stands out. I think, but but that was that was very surprising the way the, the end of that game was managed. Yeah, it reminded me of the Bills last year when they they kicked off against the Chiefs with thirteen seconds left. Yeah. Yep. And instead of squibbing it and killing time, and it's like, ah, they, they can't get down the field 13 seconds. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's Patrick Mahomes over there. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just was a, that was stunning to me. Obviously, 17 penalties. Oh, those yeah. penalties. Woo! That was bad. Yeah. Killed them. That, the, the interference on the that, that last pick where the, the guy went. Yeah. Yeah that, and, yeah, that was a huge play. Everybody started I mean, writing their stories there, too. We, we, nobody saw the flag in the press box. We were shocked. It was oh, really? Real. It was late. Everybody's running back like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on? And, uh, yeah, it, and, and, you know, the the replay showed, I mean, there were two PIs, obviously, kind of late in that game that really got to both fan bases. Um, and I think, you know, it, it kind of evened out because you had the two, but the, the Tennessee in the end zone that gave Alabama extra set of downs, and they ended up scoring on that fourth and goal, I believe, on that. And then, of course, the, the interception – you know, but yeah, it it uh, there were a lot of seventeen penalties the most of the Saban era, and I think the second time this season they've had fifteen or more penalties. They've set yeah. the Saban Alabama record for penalties twice this year already. Yeah, just a sloppy. Both the games things. you attended, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. Think, things <laughs> we're not some ass we're not going on. Things we're not we need we're some not uh, <laughs> we're not used to by Saban teams, and then the muff punt. Again, things yeah. we're not oh, used to a Saban team. Oh, I don't. Just dumb. I don't. I don't know what is going on. I um. But but things we're just uh, we're not used to. We're not accustomed to, to seeing. We Alabama. are used to the bad field goal kicking. So at least uh-huh. there was that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I understand right, trying quick. to get closer. You know, with the pass, I I, I get that part. I, I do. Yeah, but you the know? passes no. weren't on third and ten. They needed a yeah. slant. Yeah. They needed a slant. They needed something to get five. They needed something to get. Seven and at least cause or just a timeout, like a draw or something, you know. I mean, or a draw. Mm, they needed yeah. something to kill clock. Instead, watch the play again. Five wide. Everyone's running up and outs to take too long. Mm. You know, 
Bryce is forced to just kind of throw off his back foot. Uh, he throws it way deep. Basically, he's throwing it away, I yeah. think. It was not a good play call for that spot. You need a quick little bang. Hey, five yards, you know, maybe, maybe you get more. But something that's easy, quick read. Because, yeah, they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz, blitz, blitz the heck out of you. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, too quickly, because we've talked a lot about this game. This sets up, uh, if Tennessee can hold together, November 5th, monster matchup um, against Georgia. Tennessee's up to number three now. And Alabama's obviously not dead. They got control of their destiny. They get back to the SEC championship game, and I'm sure they would be happy to run it back uh, with a with a split crowd. So SEC race, though, getting way more interesting than it was 48 hours ago. Certainly. Uh, excellent scheduling by Tennessee to have Tennessee Martin mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. I mean, on the off chance you win that game and the hangover is going to be incredible for everyone, fans, players, coaches, administrators, Tennessee Martin's a good one to slip in there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, game I was at. We got we had a lot to get to, so we'll be a little quicker on that. That game was epic, though. Game I was at was not epic. Michigan 41, Penn State 17, and the 17 came off a two kind of – I mean, they were plays. There was a pick six on a ball that bounced off a guy's helmet, and there was a, a just a totally missed read QB – QB run option um, by Sean Clifford. Other than that, Michigan destroyed Penn State. This was a a near-perfect football game for Michigan. I I could not believe what was happening. They just ran it 55 times, 418 yards or something like that. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, they call them lightning and lightning because neither one of them is thunder. (laughs) (laughs) But they're just ridiculous. Uh, the line destroyed Penn State. The defensive line destroyed Penn State. This looked like they were playing uh, a Mac school uh, and not a good one. J.J. McCarthy made a few plays downfield, but he said after him, content just doing this. It was like, we're going to run it for at least six yards every single time. Why are we going to stop? Michigan has got its system now. It's got its identity. It's going to beat the hell out of you or try. And there's a lot of defenses out there that are built to stop the spread. And Michigan can exploit that. And I could not have been more impressed with what the Wolverines did. They're 7-0. and Their hardest game remaining before Columbus is Illinois, which actually looks really good. But it would not surprise if they are 11-0 and going into Columbus with the exact same game plan as last year. Uh, we're going to try to maul you. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But... Pretty interesting. Pat, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, that was an absolute like physical mauling, which was impressive from Michigan and really troublesome from Penn State because they just can't stand up to the best teams in that in that division anymore. And you've given you are locked into a big, expensive, long contract with a monstrous buyout with James Franklin. And what exactly are you getting for your money? You're getting maybe third best in the East, but a really distant third. So uh, that's a difficult situation for them. But yeah, you know what? Michigan, they turned the corner last year and they've stayed around the corner. They are who they are and it's really good. I mean, it is, they are, they have good players everywhere. They've got a scheme that they love. They absolutely get after you on the trenches on both sides of the ball and, you know, if they, can, if they can physically punish you, they will. They're in the top 10 nationally in rushing, top 10 in yards per carry. And, they, you know what, it's, it's kind of a nice counter-programming to what we have seen and seen and seen this season. It's just, just dude's just chucking the ball deep all the time <laughs> and it working a lot, which mm. is a whole other story. Yeah. But Michigan's like, nah, we're just going to hand off until we kill you. Uh, and it was impressive. Turn back the clock, man. It's like uh, the old school football. And I'm just like, dive. I was diving deeper into 
the stats. Uh, I didn't see a lot of the box score of this game, and holy cow, 55 carries and 418 yards on the ground for Michigan, averaging seven and a half yards a carry. Wow, uh, that is it a was beating first in downs in the first half were 18 for Michigan, one for Penn State. Wow. Yeah, one first. I mean, down. I was watching it like, how the hell is Penn State in this game? Yeah, they got these two plays, but it was yeah, like, one it was a matter. total fluke. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. And Michigan needs to get his red zone offense in order because they're going to need touchdowns, not field goals. But uh, honestly, like this game could have been sixty to three, yeah. and yeah. it was bad enough. I, I, yeah, I, for Penn State, you know, look, they get Ohio State in a couple weeks, and to me, they have to. This is like a. I mean, this is like a who are you game. Hmm. Maybe you don't win, but you cannot just get trounced like this again. Right. Uh, you know, look, they're Penn State. James Franklin's a good coach, and he's, they're going to go nine and three or 10 and two this year. And that's really good. And we shouldn't be in a spot where it's like fire a 10 and two coach. But they have had, other than 2020, when Michigan was horrible uh, during the COVID uh, thing, uh, they have gotten killed at Michigan. They never went on the road, they never beat top 10 teams. And this was just completely non-competitive. I mean, this was just a, they, they, this was not the tenth best team in the country. And look, they had earned that. They had won big games. They had and they had gone to right. Auburn. I know Auburn's losing, but they crushed Auburn yeah. in a way most of the SEC is not crushing Auburn. Yeah. Uh, so there was something there, but uh, this wasn't it. <laughs> this yeah. wasn't it. So I'm really interested to know if if uh, Penn State's or if Michigan's. Uh, you know, kind of uh, identity, this kind of older school mentality, run the ball, you know, if, if that works, if it goes all the way through the season and works against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game in a potential playoff matchup with some of these teams that spread it all out and chunk it down the field. I'm, I'm really fascinated by by uh, that, that kind of dynamic there. You know, the problem is maybe – it worked obviously against Ohio State last year. Yeah. The problem is you get a defensive line like Georgia had last year, and you ain't moving yeah. anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Georgia, Georgia just physically obliterated yeah, him. Right, right. And so you know, with with JJ McCarthy, they have that arm. Uh, they don't have the greatest receivers, but they have good ones. But they're just really good all over the field. Yeah. And the you know, yeah. uh, they have not had a great year recruiting, but they've got a buy. And if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I am hitting up. I'm trying to flip everybody. Yeah. Because it's like, look what we're doing. And I'm going right after everyone Notre Dame signed. Yeah. I'm going, <laughs> every, every, going everyone Wisconsin <laughs> signed or has committed. And, and, uh-huh. and anyone I want from all these other schools in the Midwest and saying, look at this. You want to play? You're an offense alignment. We're, we're Wisconsin, what Wisconsin could never be because they can't get the athletes to go around it. Right. We got yeah. we'll get athletes. We're Michigan. We're going to recruit some five stars. Right. And mm-hmm. we're going to have a five star QB and, and we're going to have a really highly rated guy like Edwards. And we're going to find our guy like Blake Corum. But, you know, we'll get them and 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 see where you're at or at least the transfer portal, because this is a heck of a system and it's and it and it's really working. All right. Game you were at, Pat. USC Falls. Wild game. I felt throughout watching USC was going to win the game. They did not win the game. Final drive, Kyle Winningham goes for two with plenty of time left. Did not think that was a bright idea, but he did it. It worked, and they won. Uh, what happened in Salt Lake? Yeah, uh, what happened in Salt Lake, it was I, Lincoln Riley said uh, afterwards, he said, at times it, I thought we were going to run away with it, and it looked like they were a play or two away from taking a 21-point lead you know, and having all the momentum and just looking like the better team, and then something would happen. Roughing the passer call takes away an interception, and then they score. Another roughing the passer call keeps alive a drive where they score, and both those roughing the passer calls were close. Uh, USC people were furious afterwards with the refs. Furious. They, you, you know, you can just see the cynicism wheels turning. Yeah, the Pac-12's out to screw us because we're leaving. Uh, I don't know whether that's necessarily the case. I doubt it, but that's that's where their minds were going. They the, the big problem is look, they're they're defensively they're just not very good. Okay, like they they have made their hay defensively on two things. 
getting after the passer. They had the leading sack guy in the country going into the game. He didn't get any sacks and then causing turnovers. And they only caused one turnover uh, in the game. That Literally, Utah's last six possessions were five touchdowns and a fumble. They could not stop them. They turned their tight end, Dalton Kincaid, who's a very good player, but they, they, he looked like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle combined. He had 16 catches. It was the most in the country by anybody this year. Incredible performance by him and by Utah. Utah's a good team, and they have a lot of pride, and they had just gotten beaten at UCLA, and they hate USC, and uh, they rose up. But still, USC let this one get away, without a doubt, just by simply being bad on defense. All right, interesting. May or may not take USC out of playoff contention. We'll see. They they still can come back and avenge this. They could still yeah, probably gonna need a lot of help. They're gonna need some help though. They can't win. You know, you got to win the South with with something else. So, and they're gonna need a lot of people to. There's got to be some chaos. But we'll see how right. that sets That's... up. I will say this: Kayla Williams, unbelievable player. Jeez. Woo! He and Bryce Young, like they're dudes that just make stuff out of nothing. Unbelievable you know? player. Yeah. That, that I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, he was arm incredible. strength, athleticism, and total daring, like confidence. Like, ah, I'll figure it out and I'll chuck it in there. I mean, you know, I'll throw it 60 yards, I'll throw it 30 into traffic, whatever. I'll Here's make it work. Here's your thing second year transfer QB next year. Yeah. Yeah. And he I does mean, have to do another year of college. He has to do another year of college and he is ready to not do another year of college. <laughs> I did it. All right. Another one. TCU looks beat at home by Oklahoma State. And then, they, then they're not. They come back and tie it, send it to overtime, end up in double OT, win the game. Sonny Dykes, undefeated at TCU. Uh, I thought, I think we all, we, we, we might have picked some TCUs here. I can't remember what everyone picked. but I was lone frog. Lone and frog. I was right except for I lost by a point. Uh, oh, because they were giving points, right? They were giving uh, four, which that's right. You know, that's right. Giving four, one by three. But I think we all thought TCU might be, you know, other than that, the rest of us thought TCU, uh, uh, Oklahoma State. I'm sorry, has shown they were, you know, really a dominant team. And I mean, at one point they're up 30-16 in this game. You know, looks like they can, they're going to run away with it. That was like at the end of the third quarter. But TCU comes back and uh, scores 14 in there and wins it. So uh, Max. Uh, Max Dugan played an incredible game. What what were your thoughts on this? And what, you know, man, TCU, the, the Big 12's a mess. Everyone's good. They still got K-State, but wh- what do you think, Pat? Yeah, uh, the receiver they have is really big-time, Quentin Johnson, 6'4", 212. He's big. He makes tough catches. He's huge, fast. Huge TV, TD in overtime, 25 yeah, yard right Yeah, away. he's had two huge weeks in a row against undefeated teams. And they, I remember – them talking about him at Big 12 Media Day, like, watch out. You know, this guy's going to be a superstar, and boy, is he looking like one. So, no, I mean, look, Sonny Dykes is is that another. It's like just a great offensive mind, and you give him a quarterback, and you give him some skill guys, and look out. It's just going to happen. And now, the, the you know, the added dynamic is, yeah, the, the resolve, the character, there was whatever poise to come back when it looks like you're beat. There were a lot of similarities between that game and USC-Utah, where the team that won was never ahead. Like, TCU never took the lead during regulation. They tied it late. Then they get into OT, double win and double OT. But they just keep slinging, keep chucking, and they've got, they've got athletes. Uh, defensively, we'll see how well they hang on, you know, hold up for the long haul. Can, they, can you win a conference championship with a defense like that? Maybe in the Big 12 you can, but it, it's, it's going to be a question mark. But they've got very, very good offensive players, and they do have that kind of confidence and belief in themselves right now k-state next week uh worth noting just simply this tcu has already defeated oklahoma and oklahoma state and that is no small thing for that program no and texas obviously is waiting uh they survived iowa state uh text yeah, there's a whole bunch this whole the whole league's fun just a fun league it is uh, fair enough yeah all right no bad teams no bad no. teams. really aren't really a lot of mediocre teams. teams but no bad teams <laughs> <laughs> Like that West Virginia Baylor game on Thursday night was fun as hell. It was really Friday fun. night or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that's indicative of the team too. Those are both like, you right. know, kind of mediocre to okay teams. Mm-hmm. All right, we would we will talk more about this program this week because they are walking into a huge game against uh, Clemson. But worth noting, 
Syracuse Orange are 6-0. and They beat NC State, which was without quarterback uh, Leary. Uh, he's a done for the year. NC State's pretty much cooked. They're going to have another 8-4 and four season. But still, uh, 24-9, Syracuse wins. The Carrier Dome was sold out and rocking. I will say this again. When that place is sold out and rocking, it's as hard as anywhere in the country to play. It's a totally bizarre environment. It's a tiny dome. It is loud as hell. It can get hot in there. It's not air conditioned. There's no climate control. It is crazy. And so (laughs) Syracuse is back. And Dino Babers, I mean, he had a good year a few years ago, then a couple bad ones. And now here they are. Just a just a monster, uh, uh, just a monster game. Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, just a good solid victory for the for the Qs. Yeah, the, the I think their big key is they're just defensively have gotten so much better. Second year defense coordinator Tony White, he was a Rocky Long guy when you know Rocky Long spent forever in the desert out there at New Mexico, and then he went to San Diego State, and they won games. He would he would win like nine games a year, twenty one to seventeen, because he was just a great defensive coach. And Derek White's a, a chip off of that, or Tony White, I'm sorry, is a chip off of that block. He came in last year. Their defensive yards allowed improved 130 a game, and they dropped six points allowed a game. Now this year, they're way up from that. They're the best defense in, in the ACC at the moment in terms of uh, yards allowed and I think in terms of scoring, too. And that's just made all the difference where before it was it was kind of almost just touch football with uh, Dino Babers, and now they've gotten a lot better on that side of the ball. Big, big, big thing for them. I uh, I'm, I'm, I keep waiting. You know, Syracuse is one of those teams, and I think we said the same about, like, you know, Ole Miss and Michigan, uh, you know, teams that, that had, you know, the first four or five weeks, ah, they didn't play anybody. You know, Syracuse's strength of rating, strength of schedule rating is like 118th in the nation. But we're going to find out, yeah, this coming week. I know we're going to talk about, that game later, two undefeated teams in Syracuse and Clemson. But I, I'm I'm really excited about seeing how good Syracuse is. I, I think that will be uh, will be quite telling. But um, it's it's an impressive start. I mean, we we talked about it. We kind of thought that uh, Dino was on the the last year here, and uh, boy, he just uh, shot out. And their defense is playing good, Pat, as you mentioned. Uh, I've only allowed more than I think. 20 points like once right against Purdue. Yeah. Uh, so right. impressive. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. We'll talk a little more about that. All right. A few more I wanted to get to before we, uh, you know, I mean, there was just, there's way too many games. I mean, there's just way too many, <laughs> way too many games. Illinois, 26, yeah. Minnesota, 14. Tommy DeVito, quarterback, really good. 25 or 32. Chase Brown ran it 41 times. He's the old school back, man. Oh, goodness. <laughs> He's going back ice. to the, the 80s and 90s when you just gave it to one guy all the time. He also had he had 180 yards care, rushing and 53 receiving. Eight yeah. straight 100-yard game. It's the defense that impressed me even more about Illinois. Terrific. De- this is Minnesota. They have an offense. Uh, they were Their players are back. Abraham played. It was... They shut them down. Great passing defense. This team's six and one. They should be seven and zero, oh, but they're six and one. And I look, Purdue's still out there, but amazing. And we talked about that two-year deal. Well, guess who's in his second year? Brett B. Oh, yep, getting it done. Fantastic. They, yeah, they, they have another. They have a rock star defensive coordinator too, and Ryan Walters, mm, and yep. so, he'll be a head coach, I think this next year uh he's just done a phenomenal job there but it, it is so the Bielema formula it's just it's almost heartwarming you know because it's just like yeah we're just gonna absolutely pound the ball and we're gonna d up and we're gonna grind out wins uh you know they've won with scoring 24 9 and 26 this season three times they've scored in the 30s but they are perfectly happy to just run it play a short game play field position stop you and walk out with a win. Well, it's one thing for like Michigan to to play that way and win with Michigan athletes. I'm like kind of scratching my head of how how Illinois is able to win that way. It's 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 fun. It's fun to watch. I saw the video of uh, 
Bielema like <laughs> diving into the team in the locker room. Like he kind of like <laughs> rolled like a kind of like a bowling ball right into pins and uh, knocked down a couple players. And it, it's fun. It, it's a great story. It really is. It was interesting. The po- you know, they're on the field after the game. Uh, they there, someone's interviewing them, and uh, he, he's like, "It's bye week. I'm going recruiting." Like he got that out there in the first five <laughs> seconds. He's like, "I'm coming. <laughs> I'm gonna get better athletes." Yeah. I, but he he what he has done with what he was given from a listless program, amazing job by Brett Brett Bailama. So uh, also uh, Ross, we talked about this LSU Florida grudge match, a coaching grudge match. LSU won, looked really good. Jaden Daniels looked terrific. Yeah. Went on the road. Oh, Brian Kelly's five and two. Yeah. Uh, first year. We told you the guy's a hell of a coach. You can dislike him. You can laugh at him. You can do whatever. All those Notre Dame fans that were just, you know, well, our old coach is a jerk. I like our new coach. He seems nice. Mm-hmm. All true. But it is careful what you wish for when you got a guy who knows how to win football games. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, through – I think through his Notre Dame tenure, and I remember talking to some Notre Dame people when he got the job at LSU, and they, a, a few of them said the same thing. Brian Kelly's teams will get better during the year. Like, you'll see marked improvement in Brian Kelly's teams through the year. And, and maybe that's a little bit what we're seeing. This series is just the most bizarre. I think LSU's won four straight. And, and get these numbers in this series. First of all, it was this, I think that was the 69th meeting of the two teams. All right. The, the series is 33 and 33 and three. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So, awesome. but also give it up for, um, Josh Williams, uh, junior running back from Houston for LSU. He, I think he ran for over a hundred yards. I mean, he, he's a big part of kind of while they were able to like, uh, uh, you know, ice the game away there late, but, Man, the I, I would would not have guessed if you told me after week one, right? LSU loses. Uh, Florida State looks oh. terrible, looks sloppy. Florida beats Utah in a wild game in the swamp, and here we are. And Florida is four and three, and LSU's five and two. LSU goes there and really win hand handedly. Man, I, you just never know. Th- those openers always give you some kind of false sense of uh, reality. Yes, they do. All right, and we'll do this one. Kentucky steps up. They get Chris Rodriguez back, really good running back, 197, two TDs. Will Levis plays a really good game. They beat Mississippi State 27-17. Mississippi State was riding very, very high. Uh, they got knocked down a peg in one of those just really interesting games. I don't I don't doubt, Ross, you see anything on that game? You were probably uh, covering the other A little bit. I, I saw the, a little bit, like maybe the last – probably the last half quarter or a quarter or so. I, you know what would really surprise me? Will Rogers, Mississippi State quarterback, has been rolling, tearing it up, you know, 300-plus yard games, 400-plus yard games, five touchdown games. He had 203 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. A QBR of 65. Mark Stoops' defense, incredible. Uh, that, 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 you know, he, they, they held him just about, I think, his, his worst game in a long, long time. Uh, and then on the ground, Mississippi State couldn't get it rushing. I mean, Kentucky's defense, just in general, really, really solid. Uh, you know, picked off picked off Rogers late to kind of seal the win. Impressive, Re- really big win in Lexington. And and uh, you know, never know. Maybe the Wildcats healthy would will Levis back there if the offensive line can continue to improve. Maybe they can shake it up a little bit. I mean, they already got two losses in the league, so I don't think they're winning the East, but. Maybe they can shake it up and pull one out against like a Tennessee. Who knows? You never know. I think uh, uh, they do have to go to Knoxville in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be tough. Uh, but never know. It was it's a big one for the the Wildcats and Kentucky's defense. Uh, incredible. Yeah, it's it's been a very good defense this year. They haven't given up more than twenty four points in a game so far. But that's given the credit for showing some character and some resolve among several other programs that they'd lost two in a row, and I think people were starting to. Get off the bandwagon. I know in the state of Kentucky, I mean, they had Big Blue Madness. Everybody starts talking basketball, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not done here. We'll take down a ranked team. Uh, and it is nice. I mean, they have one loss without their star quarterback, one with them uh, on the road in a very close game against a currently undefeated team. So they are a legit team. And, yes, Tennessee had better be ready on October 29th. All right. 
and then this story got sent to us the most. And this is what I love. I, I mentioned this to some people I was talking to the other day at the Michigan game. A horse craps on a on a football field. And <laughs> it was immediately it was, like it was incredible. Like 200 of you decide that you must immediately send me tweets to let me know. Yeah. Alert me uh, to oh, yeah. this, this thing yeah. happening. Like over the first and over and over. Popped uh, in your head was I got to tell these guys. <laughs> Just amazing. SMU's mascot, Paruna, a black Shetland pony. Had to say that carefully. Shetland. <laughs> took a shit on the field against the Navy. He was running. Running out there, I think it's a he. I don't know. Whatever. My horse doesn't have anything. So <laughs> no, no, what, your horse doesn't. What's what? What is gender in horses anymore? Anywhere? <laughs> Peruna uh, is running out on the field to celebrate a touchdown, and um, <laughs> starts dropping bombs out there. <laughs> Needless to say, they have to spend fifteen minutes trying to get all of it because that would just be horrendous. Yeah, you don't want to be tackled in that. No. And so the Navy SMU game is delayed. A great thing about Peruna, I looked up, was originally known as Parsons. They had the horse back in 19, I think 13 or something. They renamed it Peruna. Peruna was a type of like illegal booze in Texas back in the day. Okay. All right. So leave like it to it. SMU. They always I was win about the party. To say, this is SMU. an SMU story all the yeah. way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, SMU won the game 40 34. George W. Bush was there. Got to watch yeah. the, the horse crap. Maybe the horse was scared. <laughs> I mean, it's important. And how about the student yeah. president? Shout out to the student assistants that took, it was, a br- it was brilliant, actually, took two Gatorade cups. And yeah. <laughs> made them a, a pooper scooper, basically, and scooped yeah. up the poop. Uh, it was impressive. It's a good point because you don't have a pooper scooper on hand, right? You probably no, they, that now so. they should plan on it. Now they you, they should definitely no. now have that. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. It's amazing love, this doesn't happen more often. Like Ralphie just lays one out or something. I mean, yeah. that would be. I imagine it would be massive or Bevo or like uh, what? Maybe that's why you know Ralphie's time on the field is short. He just well, runs around and then goes back in that van. Well, uh, this horse was only out there for quick. It I know. Just, yeah, hey, yeah. It wasn't I long. know enough from from going to the racetrack when you're on the backside. They just poop all the damn time. Yeah, like all the time while they're just walking along. So it's a it's a constant hazard. Yeah, I, must, I would think this would have happened more often. I must have watched mm-hmm. that video fifty times. I I just cackled the whole way. I mean, the, the it's just crapping as it's running. And then the this then the the handlers are running behind it, stepping in the crap, oh, yeah. and they don't realize oh, yeah. that it's crapping. I guess. And then the official, the, the official's got to run over there and tell him. And you can see the official's face; he can't help himself. He's cackling as he's telling them, "Your oh, yeah. horse just crapped all over the field. You better go get it. You know, go pick it up." You guys are gonna have to clean it up. It, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Like you, you, we're not gonna get a more fun, to me. We're not gonna get a more funny moment than. Uh, than that, it, it was awesome. Oh, the, and the, the like the re- instant replay, like they were showing it. The broadcast <laughs> yeah. was terrific. There it is, leaving a little something behind. Uh, well, Fertilizer, the, the dangers, the dangers of uh, yeah, Peruna, big star. Small right, sample we, Heisman, uh, Peruna. Yeah, we yeah, we'll give him a small sample Heisman, and uh, it's time for small sample Heisman. So we don't it like is. giving it out at the end of the year. Let's give it out now. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the Small Sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Pat, you have a Small Sample Heisman ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, but I can't help it. I've got to give it to Dalton Kincaid, the uh, the Utah tight end. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 16 catches, 16 yeah. wow. for 234. And at the end of the game, he's like exhausted. He's banged up, but he's in tears because he's so happy they won. Phenomenal, just incredible performance. I do have to say, like, USC, did, did were you ever going to actually try to cover him? Huh. I, that was like, were you going to do anything different to try to actually prevent him from getting the ball easily open all the damn time? He made two really difficult catches that were really impressive, and that's where you look and say, that's an NFL pass catcher. You know, where catch radius, difficulty, athleticism covered. But a lot of the times he was open and they got him the ball and he was just really good. So Dalton Kincaid and the whole scene in Salt Lake 
was just great. But give him my small sample Heisman. All right, Ross. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to somebody, that we, uh, somebody in a team that we haven't talked about that much since early in the year. North Carolina in North Carolina's quarterback uh, Drake May. He he tore it up against Duke, 28 to 38, 380 yards, three touchdowns, and led the team in rushing, 70 yards, 18 carries. Guy uh, put put the Tar Heels on his back, and they got a big win. And hey, look at North Carolina. Six and one. They lead the ACC Coastal. They should win the next two games. They got Pitt at home after a bye week. They got Pitt at home. They go to Virginia and then the big one. They go to Wake November 12th in a in a game that um, could probably, you know, go a long way for the if North Carolina's gonna win the coastal. But they they you know, right now they lead by a couple of games. So uh, give it yeah, give it up for uh, Drake May in the Tar Heels that are Rolling, they're only lost to Notre Dame, which, uh, you know, a team that uh, we ha- we haven't talked about a lot, but head scratching how actually uh, North Carolina lost that game at home, um, but they did. My small sample Heisman goes to West Virginia senior defensive tackle Dante Stills. He was all over the field in West Virginia's victory, forty-three uh, forty over Baylor on uh, Thursday night. Uh, every time there was a play, every time they needed a pass rush, every time there seemed to be something to do, he was there. Stats don't even do him justice. Uh, he had uh, four tackles, but uh, a couple QB hurries, some QB hits. Biggest play of the game, when he jumped through and blocked an extra point by Baylor that uh, teammate Jacoby Spells picked up, went the length of the field, gave him two points, uh, kept that thing within reach. This guy's great. I love him. I love a kid that is like, this is where I'm going to play. Maybe I could have gone somewhere else, but this is my school. This is my family's school. I'm not transferring. I can do everything here. Yeah, we're not that great, but I'm just going to be this. And so uh, he had a a great night on Thursday. It was a great scene out of Morgantown. Loved it. Uh, Country roads, man. So congratulations on winning my uh, small sample Heisman. All right, we've uh, we haven't been too mean in this podcast, but we can always be nicer. There's room for improvement. Pat, do you have any room for improvement? Say something nice. I yes, I do. Um, I'm going to say something nice, really, about both of the dregs of the Pac-12, Colorado and Stanford. Uh, both of them appeared like hopeless, especially Colorado. My God, they were terrible. And then they turn around and they win a game. They beat California. They got up early. They fell behind. You figure as soon as they fall behind, they're done. No, they rally and they win. I think they won an OT over the Golden Bears. So good for the Buffaloes and their field storm, even if it was probably slightly ironic or cynical, I guess you would say, sarcastic. Uh, And then good for Stanford, who had not beaten a FBS opponent in more than a year. Going back to when I was actually there when they beat Oregon, when Oregon was ranked number two last year. And they blew a game last week against Oregon State, but they rally, they go into Notre Dame, and boy, Notre Dame's a whole other issue. But to win that game, uh, you know, hang tough, 16-14. to They fell behind, I think, 14-13 and go down and kick a field goal to win. So uh, nice for the Cardinal and the Buffaloes to end some suffering. Pat Pat took mine. I had I had the Buffaloes, too. I was doing some math on on uh, their last six, I think they were on a six-game losing streak dating back to last year, Colorado was. They lost those six games by an average of 28 points. Uh, none of them were within one score, let alone hardly two scores. And uh, interim coach Mike Sanford, right, uh, gets the uh, leads the Buffaloes to a victory. That so, but I will, I will, I will come up with uh, another one here. And I'll say something nice about the Arkansas Razorbacks, who were on, I believe, a three-game losing streak and then had a trip out to BYU. You got to deal with the time change and the long flight and all that stuff. You're on a three-game losing streak. You're kind of beat up. Your quarterback's beat up. And, man, K.J. Jefferson lit it up at BYU. 367 yards, five touchdowns, threw the ball 40 times, ran the ball 30 or 40 yards, too. So, Give me the Hogs for getting back on track in a tough game. I had some Hog fans staying at my hotel in Salt Lake. They were they okay. were uh, they were fired up to be out there. It was good. I am going to say something nice 
about the Tulane Green Wave, who are now six and one and three and zero oh in the American Athletic Conference. Now, this was a team that went ten, uh, two and ten. I'm sorry, two and ten a year ago, who under uh, under Coach Willie Fritz was thirty one and forty three in his first six years. Probably could have fired him. Was going absolutely nowhere. Uh, they beat South Florida 45-31. They've turned around the entire program. Uh, they've got, you know, games coming up. Memphis, UCF, SMU. You know, we'll see how it bears out. But they own a victory over Kansas State where they, they racked up 561 yards. They they look like a good football team, if nothing else. Uh, they've put some punch in uh, football down in New Orleans. And uh, a team that absolutely no one had contending for the American is contending for the American. And it's one of these teams, and it's a lower level, but it's just exciting that anyone's excited about Tulane football as we enter late October. The same way it's exciting for someone to be excited about Syracuse football. We'll see what happens. But you know what? You got big games coming up. And uh, I hope the city of New Orleans uh, uh, passes them or supports them. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah. They're ranked this week, ranked for the first time in 24 years since they had that undefeated season. Yeah, did they crack in? What are they? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Did. good for them. Yeah. And and Willie Fritz, I mean, seventh season, here we are. Yeah. Talk about the great ones, get it done in two. Eh. <laughs> it was a little slower, a little slower on the draw down there. No. Hey, they're good. And uh, fun team, fun team, scoring points. So congratulations uh, to them. And yeah, that you know, they lost the Southern Miss. They're probably kicking themselves for that in the Battle of the Bell. But um, that win, Kansas State's a good team. They beat them. So. Yeah, that's a big win, really. On the road. So good for that. All right. That was a, a marathon edition. A lot going on. Season's cranking. We'll be back on Tuesday. More fun. Looking forward to uh, week eight. So continue to, to subscribe, share us on social media, tell your friends about us, all of that. We will talk to us about to, crapping horses. And yeah, cra- if a cr- horse craps on a field, again, alert me immediately. I cannot. My Friday night cannot go another two seconds without me knowing. Like, what is going on in the world that, like, hundreds of people around the country? What have I, how have I lived my life? <laughs> it is an indication. Horse crap the yep. field, bigger on Twitter, tell this guy. <laughs> hey, something stupid happened. Tell the college football inquirer guys. And yet I appreciate, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, no, oh, we, accept, we accept all stupidness. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So much stuff in the world I do not know that's going on in this one. All right. Uh, Again, talk to you later.